I'll have whatever he's having. Sophie, and I haven't seen a lot of movies. Hi, I'm Paul, and I'm here to help with that. And we are... SP Film Viewers. Happy 200th episode. What do I get? Satisfaction that we've been... Going this oh. long? I feel like I should get a prize for doing this for this long. I'm surprised how you know that we've clocked that many. I'm surprised I've watched that many films. Yeah. And sometimes it's been more than one film yeah. in, in one, so th- yeah. it's more than that. So imagine how much information now I have in my head. Lots. Yeah. I could actually have a conversation about film. To be fair, I did notice something when we did a Christmas quiz at work. Oh. There was a film sheet. Obviously, it's Christmas based. Yeah. Which is my forte. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't give me any other quiz, but give me a Christmas quiz and I'm bloody brilliant. And all the film ones, I got pretty much all of them. So, this podcast is useful for something. It's good then. But we are having a special guest join us for this episode okay. that we do, which it's kind of worked out nicely in that sense, even obviously. We did have the the time off, but there we are. Yeah. So yeah, in a roundabout way, it's kind of worked that we have. You had some weird planning that you wanted to do at the beginning of the yeah, year, and you wanted to be so precise with everything, and and you wanted to guest each month. Then actually, now it's happened. Yep. So you're welcome. COVID did you something good. Hmm. <laughs> Shows you don't always have to plan everything in life intricately, and it still works out the way you want it to. Yeah. So it's Sarah from the Instagram page. Sarah's popcorn chat. Okay. She's, she's also a YouTuber and Twitter and X, what it's called now as well. But yeah, she's got a YouTube channel called that by the same name, and Sounds she cool. just like reviews on on there and stuff. And I asked her like what like some of her favorite films were that we could have a chat about. And one of the options she gave was Scooby Doo has been one of her favorites. Okay. So I was like, uh, yeah, no, I haven't seen that in a, a good long while. And I've never seen it. No. Uh, yeah, you've seen the cartoon though, and you sort of know of. I've never been like... a big Scooby Doo fan. No. No, it wasn't something I think I grew okay. up with. with. Whereas, um, yeah, whereas I did like Hanna Barbera kind of cartoon of mm. that, like the Flintstones and stuff. I did I, like. When I, I got was... the Flintstone. Yeah. Like I love the Flintstones, but Scooby Doo yeah. was never really. I think it's because it was a bit scary. Really? Yeah, because you terrifying. know me, little scaredy cat. <laughs> so probably with that. Well, but the... I do know the characters. Obviously, I know you've got Scooby. You've got um. Oh, Shaggy. Yep. Melma? Mel- v- Velma. Velma. Close, close. <laughs> Mel- <laughs> Go on. Two more. You're not going to get them out of me. Uh, I don't know those. Fred and Daphne. Oh, Daphne, I know. Yeah. Fred would have never come to okay. me. Yeah, so that's, that's that's the crew. See, so yeah, no, I'm aware of something, clearly. In the mystery machine. What about the little dog in the Scrappy? There, there's a dog called Scrappy-Doo. Yeah, in some of the cartoons he was, yeah. he was there. So. Is he in this? Yeah, he is, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll say that he is, yeah. So this is a 2002 okay. live a- 
action adaptation of. I feel like I've seen parts, but you might have I think it's just more TV, like but... you know, like see when we did like singing in the rain or the sound of music, where you know parts of it just because it's just pop culture well, yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's more that than me actually sat down watching it. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's just I'm aware of it, like even like the Indiana Jones music that I knew. Iconic. Even though, yeah. 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 It's more that. Yeah. I don't know as to like with with this like how iconic things that you will have picked up on, but maybe. no, the song. No, there's going to be some ghosts um, yeah. or mummies. I'm aware of that. Yeah. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> it's scary stuff. Yeah. But it's aimed at kids. It's PG rated, so. Oh, I don't think I can watch it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this should be a Halloween special, Paul. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like it's kind of like more like light-hearted in the. Mm. The sense of, of of that, so it's kind of like I yeah. I mean, you have to get your scares in on Halloween, is what yeah. you're saying. Before, I see, I see. More valuable ones to bank for that period. So. I'm gonna get a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm excited. I'm glad to have another female on. Yeah, as well. Always. So yeah, well, we're back with Sophie's thoughts and our special guest, of course, on Scooby Doo. Where are you? <laughs> sent by my employer, Mr. Emil Monteverius, to invite you to his world-famous amusement park, Spooky Island. Oh, we don't go near any place with spooky, haunted, forbidden, or creepy in the name. Well, hydrochronic. Right, or hydroclonic, but that's for a whole different reason, man. And we're back. I watched Scooby-Dooby-Doo. <laughs> And we're not alone, as we're joined by a special guest, and I know she's a very big fan of the film. I'd like to welcome Sarah from Sarah's Popcorn Chat. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me on. Yes, thank you for joining us. Um, Start things off by introducing yourself and telling everybody where they can find you on the socials. Yeah, uh, so my name's Sarah. I sort of run under the name Popcorn Chat or Sarah's Popcorn Chat. Um, I mainly have a YouTube channel or an Instagram and Twitter, TikTok, everything basically. Talking about new films, old films. Um, yeah, so if you want to check out any sort of hot takes that I have, um, as alluding to before the recording, that I'm very much of a harsh critic. So if you if you want to hear some, yeah, some controversial opinions, head on over to Popcorn Chat. I'll be interested to see how this one works. Obviously, last time we had a podcast, it was a bit more male orientated when we had a guest. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what the dynamic is this time, a bit more female orientated. <laughs> I think this is a perfect film for that, you know, there's some real sort of female empowerment in it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your relationship with this film? I, don't, I think I did watch the cartoon as a kid, obviously. It was big in the late 60s, 70s, so I, I, I'm not that old. <laughs> um, I did sort of watch it sort of the early, yeah, early 2000s. But this film, I think I saw it in the cinema. So I would have been, I would have been six years old, seven years old. So this was kind of perfect for me to watch this film. And I just absolutely loved it. I watched it on repeat, got it on DVD. I've still got the same DVD I've had since I was that age. I've just loved it ever since. I haven't really delved into the like other TV episodes. I know they made some films as well from the cartoons. I've never really watched them, but I know a lot of people love 
a lot of those versions of them. So I would like to go back because I, I think it's kind of a classic and falling in love with the horror film genre. I think it's got some great homages to that, really. No, it definitely has. And I know a lot of the cast in this are sort of like from a horror background. I know that Matthew Lillard was in Scream and that was before, that was way before this, I believe. It, the first Scream was 1996. So yeah, quite a bit before. I think, was it Buffy the Vampire Slayer was was before then as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. Or was it like running into... Yeah, she would have still been doing it, I think, when this was on. There's a lot of horror people. Same with number two as well. We get we get uh, Seth Green as well from Buffy and it's all connected. There's all horror elements throughout this and I love it. My history with the film is from back in the day when the local co-op of mine had a... Uh, Disgruntled service. Oh wow! <laughs> so that's that's showing its age, showing my age, <laughs> and like I I really enjoyed it back then, and it somehow still stuck with me, even though I've not really a film that I've gone back to a lot. Mm. But I don't know if that's because of the sort of like a horror element to it, which yeah, like, <laughs> early days that's kind of shaped me a little bit, like reading like Goosebumps books and stuff like that. So. <laughs> So like a fondness from that at, a, at an early age. So completely opposite to me then, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not really into horror films or anything like that. It's not really my go-to thing. To be fair, anything equivalent of a scary Halloween film would be Casper the Friendly Ghost is probably my favourite. Oh, that's still really enjoyable. In Halloween Town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm completely in the dark with Scooby-Doo. I don't think I've really known really what Scooby-Doo is, is about. I've, I've obviously known pop culture. I've seen it around. I've seen a couple of cartoons, but I don't really know why it's bypassed me. I think I've been one of those stages where I've grown up, obviously, with Scooby-Doo being there and available ready to me, but maybe it's something my mum didn't encourage me to watch when I was a little girl. I'm a bit of a scaredy cat, so I think it might have been that she's thought she gets scared at Disney films, so maybe it's best to just avoid scooby-doo yeah. because it's got ghosts and zombies and such and did how you'd react yeah. yeah and maybe she just thought she wanted a quiet life yeah i was looking back at some of the old like cartoons of like some of the villains who they used to have and i was like some of these drawings are really creepy um i don't remember them scaring me but i think they could have definitely like 2d animation can be scary and i guess yeah if you thought disney was scary it's like i can see why they might think that but I, did, I think this is a good entry level as a kid. I think it's to get into that sort of spooky vibes, but not too bad. So definitely fine now as an adult. I don't have any nightmares or anything from watching Scooby-Doo. No, I haven't got any horrible traumas or anything from it. I think I can handle it. Good, good. <laughs> so from the beginning, we've got that Luna Ghost character, which I think was kind of impressive, really, for a costume yeah. design. And I know, like, I think looking back on it, the effects might overall might look a bit ropey at times but mm. certainly back then it was like uh, the, for the time it was like oh wow this looks like really amazing <laughs> for, for for what it was yeah yeah i loved the costume of the first sort of villain and i know it's like kind of a thing where people like wish they saw more of him in the film or whatever but like i think the, the practice use of practical and sort of mm -hmm. cgi like back then that was great yeah i was like yeah i'm invested and the oh he's gone <laughs> And yeah, it kind of sets up for, you know, what the gang's about, you know, whole the whole mystery ink 
<laughs> and what what they, what they do as a collective. Mm. Yeah, Paula actually kind of explained to me what Mystery Inc. is. I guess I wasn't aware of what the whole concept is. Obviously, going into it, I've kind of seen pop culture of Scooby-Doo, but mm. not really known that they're what, a group. What they do, yeah. So, yeah, I guess, it's, for, yeah, for somebody, obviously, coming into this, essentially, but blind to it, like, if they knew nothing about the characters, not knowing, well, yeah, what is the, what's the deal with this? Yeah. I guess there's certain IPs that kind of do that, unless you know the whole background about it from, like, you know, so like cartoons, whatever, from back in the day or anything that's, you know, a particular show or something. I mean, like, you need to know a little bit around just going, oh, I why should I care about this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you have to refer it to being a little bit like um, a Marvel character, basically. Like the superheroes that are going around and or being an inspector solving mysteries. Yeah, detectives, yeah, of sorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm like, is it a business? Because they've got incorporated. What's going on? <laughs> it's so confusing. But yeah, it, it it kind of does just sort of throw. That's what I like about this first one is it like it goes down a different route. It's like not like the episodes. It's like, oh, we're just going to go on another adventure. But yeah, I guess you kind of have to have the knowledge of the stereotypes of the characters. I think uh, that's pretty handy to know. But Matthew Lillard, who plays Shaggy, I I don't think I could see anybody else playing. The role of him, he does such a good job oh, yeah. of incorporating what the character's about, really, and especially the fact that you know he spends a lot of time interacting with CGI dog Scooby <laughs> for, throughout the film. So fair play. Yeah, so, no, it's it's amazing. It it really is. To be fair, they bring such a good charismatic charisma to it. It's the comedy. It's the value of them two characters on the screen. So it's, it's it's brilliant. Oh yeah. So I just really think they're my favourite, to, to be fair, and enjoy seeing them on on screen. They're like the best part of it. Yeah. So we've got Velma, who I'd say is my second favourite. She's the, I don't know, I feel like she's the overlooked underdog who mm-hmm. is the smart one, does all the legwork, but just doesn't get noticed. Yeah. And I, I mm-hmm. definitely can relate to that sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like she's literally the brains of the group and does majority of the work. Mm-hmm. You've then got... Daphne, who is the pretty one, um, obviously she's always the damsel in distress. Oh yeah, she's the one that always needs to be looked after and supported in a sense. Yeah, she's got some good moves towards the end, but at the beginning, you kind of find her a little bit annoying and irritating because it's like, oh, the woman has to be looked after and protected. Then you've got Fred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where do I go with with Fred? To be fair, he's really cocky and annoying. <laughs> I don't really know actually what he does. That could just be Freddie Prince Jr. That could be him just being himself, I think. <laughs> he just kind of takes Velma's yeah. credit. Yeah, yeah, kind of does, yeah. I completely agree with your order so far. I was like, yeah, I think Shaggy Shaggy and Scooby are the best. And I think that's kind of the same with the cartoons and the films they've gone with. Like they're the kind of always on the poster at the front. Um, but yeah, Matthew Lillard is just, he gets, he 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 knows what he had to do, and he like he he brings his A game. I think it's so good. Yeah, I forget who plays the actor actress who plays Velma, but I think she's like second running for like playing the character very well. She's got the all of the sort of mannerisms down and everything that she, she does in the, the film and the voice. And... Yeah, like she stands with the arms behind her back and everything. Like it's just all the details. The glasses. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, oh, my glasses, I can't see anything without my glasses. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they had to sort of throw that in the film. It's good. That sort of happens in the cartoon quite regularly, so it's kind of... <laughs> it's a classic line. Like, you probably say it even though you've not seen it, and it's just, you know, you're like, again, the pop culture references. I do think as well for Velma, she's got that kind of nerdy kind of voice it's a bit high-pitched and kind of book smart and i think she's not as worldly wide as she probably is book smart and you can kind of see that in the second one where there's got a boy interest and she just doesn't know how to be herself yeah. around him and what to do yeah so another part that just kind of threw me in the loop was mr beans in it <laughs> i suppose if you've not seen it you're like oh but to me this was the first time i'd seen rowan atkinson as a kid <laughs> i didn't know him as mr Bean. So it's very jarring. I was like, oh, okay, so the, the guy from Scooby-Doo plays Mr. Bean or he's in Black uh, Blackadder. I'm like, oh, okay. And I was just a bit like, hmm, this is quite strange because I've never really associated Mr. Bean other than being in a suit. That's just who he is. And it was bizarre because this is not he wasn't actually acting like Mr. Bean. Like every hmm. role I've seen him in, he's pretty much Mr. Bean. Even in Love Actually, he seems to be like in a suit. He's got that kind of Mr. Bean humour. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. it's more po po well spoken in that a little bit. But you know, true. Yeah, sort of speaking. Over <laughs> yes, but yeah. still, he's he's still got that annoyance about him. The way that he's like prolonging that pain for the for the customer, <laughs> like Mr. Bean would do, like the silly character. Whereas this is a bit more more normal role. I would I would say for for Mr. Bean. There's certain actors you kind of just associate with characters i guess really it's sometimes hard to separate them <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah and he, but he's the the main crux of the story to bring them all together for like one last mystery to solve on this place called uh what's it called spooky island or something very generic spooky island yeah <laughs> They couldn't think of a different name. Like, yeah, let's go with Spooky Island. It's like you can't have something too. You need something simple for a, a kids film. You can't really have something that's like a, a fancy French word or Latin or something like this <laughs> to, 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 you know, to to associate with. But you know, keep it simple and basic. I guess. Ah, it is what it is. <laughs> So Shaggy's and Scooby's love of food is something that I definitely adore. Being a foodie myself, it's one of those where, like, well, why not? <laughs> but also, I think it's just they bring comedy and humour wherever they go with this, even when there's a scene of the food, hmm, it's yeah. kind of laughable. So, like, when they're in the camper van and you said they've kind of got that stoner Vibe, vibes yeah, yeah, yeah. to them <laughs> that's always what's good about a film that way obviously when it's bringing the adults involved as well as it's been going over the children's heads i think that kind of gives enjoyment on both levels and perspectives oh yes definitely like when they have that gap like between them being a group and they break up and they're like in the van with the smoke coming out the van you're like hmm i wonder what's going on in there really they're just cooking hot dogs so you're like yeah it's perfect that kind of adult and kid humor like you know you could watch as a kid enjoy it but your adults are like ah see what you're doing there yeah ex exactly so i absolutely loved the vibe of this film i think it just took you back to being a young kid for, for me back in the early 2000s where nothing was wrong everything was i don't know simpler time yeah just because you're a child it's simpler and i feel like it's the music the vibe of it it's just 
definitely typical to early 2000s like surfer vibes it <laughs> makes you kind of just enjoy watching it and bringing you back to that kind of stage where life was just a little bit better yeah, I loved this sort of music. I was listening to the soundtrack earlier today and it was just like, so like, I hadn't listened to, I'd only heard the songs in the films, a lot of them. I knew the Simple Plan one before, but this one, I was listening to the songs as a whole and there's like, they've got some like custom songs made for the film and I was like, whoa, where's this budget come from? But yeah, no, I really, I really love the music. It makes me feel like when I used to play like Tony Hawk on the PS2, yeah. wear your cargo trousers and like, yeah, it's just better times really. Yeah, yeah. It feels very much of its time, you know, with the the frosted tips <laughs> and such and uh, the lingo that they're kind of using, like, you know, yo dog, that kind of, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? And all that kind of, just better times back then. So it kind of reminds me of um, some 2000 films that I remember growing up as a kid. So like the Lizzie McGuire movie. I don't know if that was a similar time or not, but... Uh, probably a little bit later. I think it's... Early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, 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 definitely. And it just brings you back to that kind of nostalgia and enjoying it. And I think that, I don't know, it just seems more one of those things where you kind of just associate that's the early 2000s and you know it's aged, but mm -hmm. because you grew up with it, you love it. Yeah, no, nostalgia plays a big part. <laughs> yeah. What I do like about this film as well, I think within the early 2000s, technology wasn't a massive thing back then. So you wouldn't have like an up-to-date fancy phone or anything like that, or mod cons that would be helpful to yeah. crack a mystery. It was more, you had to be a bit smart with technology and a bit brainy like Velma to be able to actually crack the the mystery the case, that they had yeah. yeah yeah that's true i think there's like what is there like a couple of phones or i think someone has like a big brick mobile i think it's mary jane and then like otherwise it's just like the you know cabled phone in so mm. yeah yeah like the bartender was the yeah he's <laughs> rung up and he's like i'm looking for a mr do <laughs> is it melvin do melvin no, no, do, -Do. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh so good. So in terms of Scooby Doo, how do you think he holds up in terms of his like, you know, CGI design, everything? Um, when I went back and watched it for this, I don't know, is there's that clear like separation between where they are, like on on the camera, and then where he is. He's very like separate. But I guess, yeah, thinking about it in two thousand and two, I think it was it was pretty amazing to me. Um, but looking at it now and then watching its sequel, there's a definite difference between the two uh, uses of CGI. But I still think he's pretty good. Like the kind of you can see all of his uh, emotions. And yeah, I, I think they get it down to a T. I remember seeing a behind the scenes thing where they're in the, the scene within the airport. And a guy's like dressed up and then he's got a green screen face <laughs> and then they get like a wet sponge <laughs> just to get like Freddie's face. And then like, I was just like, that must be so awkward to film. So awkward just to have like a man in a green suit and then just <laughs> someone with a sponge on your face. But yeah, I think it was amazing for the time. Maybe not so great now. <laughs> what about you guys? I I think I'm, I'm mostly impressed by this, but Obviously, you got films like you know Who Framed Roger Rabbit, yeah, and Space Jam, where they you know kind of interacting with live act live action and cartoon characters, 
in the same space and everything like that. And so, you know, it's quite impressive that, you know, even at this time that Shaggy, who's sort of like working alongside essentially a CGI dog mm. there, and it's it's not painfully obvious that yeah, he's working with a cartoon mm. character in in that capacity and yeah you know like you know holding him touching him whatever his interaction is but watching it on now tv subscription through sky movies and see seeing that in hd and it's and so what it's kind of like it kind of shows the blemishes a little bit more yeah, i guess I with that unfortunately but i mean overall it's not too bad but i guess for for scooby-doo who's He's a Great Dane breed of dog, yes, yeah. so obviously short-haired, and so I think it'd be a lot worse if it was <laughs> aged more poorly. If he, you know, some like a long-haired yeah. dog, I think, yeah, yeah, the, the hair effects wouldn't yeah, be so point. strong, but yeah, managed to get away with it. I think I like the sort of the characteristics they carried over from the, the cartoon, like when he's hiding and they get like his little twinkles from the sound <laughs> effects. I like like how they sort of blended that. So going on to that, then with with Scooby's expressions. <laughs> You know, you see him when he's happy, when he's sad, and you just really get that emotion through his eyes and through the CGI yeah. for Scooby. You really feel him. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like there's certain points throughout the film you can actually almost see like tears in his eyes, like when he looks really sad, like he's very believable, like you you feel for him there. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want my my own Scooby. <laughs> So it's got a good moral behind it. So obviously Shaggy and Scooby say friends don't quit. And I feel like when you're growing up as a, as a child, I feel like when you're falling out and you get into a tantrum with one another, you're like, I'm not your friend anymore. And you're easily kind of quit and end that friendship. And I feel like this is quite a good moral for younger children to, to learn. Oh yeah, definitely. It also shows you the repercussions of the other group because when the mystery obviously of the other three, because they get to a point of where they're like, oh, well, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. And they all just quit. Yeah, they just, I'll see you later, bye, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's too hard. <laughs> yeah. I do think that Scooby and Shaggy are like the most emotive characters. Like whether you're a kid or an adult, I think you feel for them most. Well, in the first one, at least, like their story. The other three are kind of like, the yeah, okay, they're like the brains behind the group. But I think everyone's access point is through Scooby and Shaggy. So, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Shall we talk about Scrappy? <laughs> Puppy power! <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't really mind him. but I mean, I, don't, I don't certainly don't mind him in the cartoons as much, but going into this, I guess he comes come off a bit of grating, really. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I think everyone hated him before this film, so <laughs> I think people still hate him <laughs> as a character. What did you make of him self well initially well i know i know the saying puppy power i'm aware that he's a, a bit scrappy yeah but i just i just thought he was i don't know a cute little a little dog and obviously had a little bit of a scrap a bit of bit feisty but not really like to the point of where he's really annoying which is quite frustrating because he is really cutely drawn so i feel like he should he should be kind of representing the how he looks but actually as you further go along in the movie you, you're aware that the outcome's yeah. not that great for him and you get why actually everyone really doesn't like him <laughs> sort of irony in that yeah he should be like a small version of, of scooby-doo well he's his nephew yes 
first time as Uncle Scooby in the cartoons. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember him in the cartoon. He was yeah, he's pretty. He looked cute in the cartoon, but yeah, he I remember I, like everyone's just like go away, Scrappy. Like he's just very annoying, and he's very like even if you know you don't have context yourself, but just like yeah, in this that flashback. They make it really clear, like, you know, how annoying he is and, like, you know, wheeze over Daphne and, like, get out, <laughs> which is rightly so, like, get out. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting as well, like, they both can talk. And I'm like, what's the rules here? Is this a real dog or are we all hearing two dogs speak? Like, what's going on? Yeah, it's just one of those things that you can't think about too much, you know, just like the fact that there's a talking dog in this universe. Uh, to, yeah. Well, I feel like that's like in any cartoon. So, for example, like Looney Tunes, Disney, you, obviously you've got like a dog version that can talk and then you've got one like that that cat, like, is it? Pl- Pl- Pluto and Goofy, yeah, yeah. Different yeah. The l- l- intelligence levels going on there, yeah. Which is like, wh- how do you decide which one can and which one can't <laughs> <Exactly>. talk? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just suspend your disbelief and just enjoy the film and it's 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 normally fine. Another thing I really liked about the sort of homage to the cartoons was like all the costumes, like how brightly colourful they were. I love how consistent it is, like everything's either orange for Velma, purple for Daphne or, you know, whatever for the others. But I just loved it and it really sort of pops. It's very early 2000s. It's very sort of campy as well, which I've seen because I know they've made a few like maybe like fan favourite films after this, like on YouTube or some low budget. They don't look as good, the costumes. So I think just by going like, let's go, everything is that their colour. It just looks so much better. It's so bold. I love it. I think that's what works with it because obviously you've got those iconic popping colours. It's like having Lisa Simpson without her orange dress. Mm-hmm. It's just, it would be weird not, not seeing her in that, like if you put her in something else. Mm. And I think that's the same if you've grown up with the cartoons and know that obviously Velma wears orange, Daphne wears purple, purple yeah. and... Yeah you're aware of this and if they didn't do that then it would just feel a bit a bit strange what i do love is in the second one you do have more outfit changes and it ramps up but it still has to be those iconic colors for them that for the people yeah, that they are absolutely. yeah yeah they do really stand out compared to like the other like people mm-hmm. like all the other 2002 people mm-hmm. like everyone's wearing like you know skater gear and they're just wearing these really like brightly colored <laughs> sort of 70s outfit like they really stand out back then so I feel like Daphne brings her girliness into this really well. And I think that it actually shows us a bit of a strength. So in the second one, she's kind of developed and she's shown like she is quite smart, but can be looking pretty as well. So that obviously when they're in the cage and she's like, makeup's actually really handy and you don't have to just apply it. It can come in useful for getting you out of cages and obviously <laughs> putting the powder on and getting the fingerprint. So being quite savvy in that retrospect she's also now a, a black belt is is that right yeah in that the, the two years the gap in the have in the first film that she yeah it's comes around for a purpose later on as well so it kind of like makes sense to have done that so that, that she's developed herself in that in that way mm-hmm. yeah it's one of those things that's like excel daphne's quite you know i guess the term girly girl like back in the day like you know okay she likes the way she looks she's very sort of like hyper feminine in that way but she's still badass like i love that like she gets both um so for the time i think i remember seeing this like bearing in mind i hadn't seen buffy at this point um so i just knew 
uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Daphne and just seeing her like do all these like kicks and fights in like these big purple you know knee-high boots I was like that's really cool um so I just loved that it was it was the first sort of kind of yeah probably one of the first sort of few sort of badass characters I'd seen on screen um as a kid I was like that's very inspiring to see and she's doing it like looking really cool in all her purple outfit just because of how that was written and speaking of writers obviously from back in the day I would have not no I don't know anything about like who directors were or let alone writers of, <laughs> of, of films and stuff but notice on the credits this time that James Gunn was involved in writing who's obviously known for like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff like that is yeah it's it's quite uh, quite interesting like to, to go in that with that knowledge now and and I think that with his involvement I think it, I, I believe the the script was going to be a lot more R-rated I believe I think he said he changed a lot of things I think um they were going to have like Velma and Daffy kiss I think at one point I read that like because he, he did this like Twitter thing a couple of years ago he answered those questions about it he said uh yeah Velma and Daffy are going to kiss when they body swap in the first one they had to add in all these love interests for Velma because of that. They wanted to, like, in both films, like, they add in these love interests. I'm like, mm, not so sure. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of changes to it. And, obviously, they're, like, he's he was aware that he put in all the adult humour jokes about, like, Shaggy and Scooby, like, you know, there's smoke coming out of the van. Like, he did it deliberately. Like, he knew that all the adults would be watching it. Um, but, yeah, I just thought it was interesting to see, like, like you say, um, Paul, like, how it's just, like, you don't really pay attention when you're younger, you know, but now you're like, oh, that's James Gunn, you know, he's doing Suicide Squad, he's doing Guards of the Galaxy, like, really big writer-director. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he's still got that humour. You can start to see it here, like, in the group dynamics, humour, I think, yeah, you like you can start to see who he's going to become, I think. Yeah, a good starting point. Yeah. yeah. So the horror elements, like the the spooky castle that they go into with the the you know the abandoned amusement ride in itself. Let's oh. definitely go inside. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty da- dangerous looking. <laughs> All those spikes and swinging axes and everything, and it's not something I would really you know, like. I wouldn't be going on um, <laughs> that you know fear of having my limbs chopped off. But you know, it's like I wonder why it's abandoned. <laughs> oh yeah. That is probably the one bit where, as a kid, I think I found it, like, the scariest. I think, like, the little goblins on the thing, because I think I would have seen... Was Spider-Man 2 out by then? Also, no, Spider-Man 1 would have been out, yeah. So I would have seen that, and I think the goblin, green goblin, and I saw a goblin on this, I was like, oh my god, terrifying, with its little red eyes, and that that freaked me out. Yeah, I would definitely have been freaked out. Well, my younger self most certainly would have been. <laughs> So it's a bit weird when um, when Shaggy and Scooby are at the that food table and the, on the ride. Yeah. And all those you see all those sausages like moving around. Like, how how are they moving? Mm-hmm. Like they're just flailing there. <laughs> it's, it's a bit weird. And and when they're against the wall, there's like this purple snake thing that looks very organic. I don't know yeah. how. That can't be part of the ride. That feels like something really alien, almost. Yeah, it definitely gets very sort of alien at that point. And like, I don't get how the sausages fly across the room. I watched it, and I was just like, I still like what? 
I need to have that bit explained to me a bit. I'm like, why? That's not on the ride, surely. <laughs> I think it's for the fact that Shaggy and Scooby need to get in their fright scares. Yeah, um, yeah. I you know that that's what they're known for. So obviously they need to be jumped and freaked out and then there's that walking away kind of Motion, sheepishly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that's what I'm even aware of with just not really seeing the cartoons yeah, that often. Yeah. I'm aware that that is something iconic and that's what they, they do. And it needs to be implemented in the film somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we kind of get to where we've got a couple of love interests happening. So you've got Shaggy with Mary Jane. That's an in-joke there, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I only just realised that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like oh that's my favorite name it's like i wonder why (laughs) (laughs) i do think that it's testament to the film and obviously scooby and shaggy's relationship that obviously normally this is where it would go down the line of oh shaggy's got a new love interest and scooby gets jealous Mm -hmm. because it's his best friend and they're taking him away but Mm -hmm. it don't really go down that route yeah you've got a strong connection with them that you know the Bonds, bros before hoes. <laughs> yeah, like any other kind of show or film would do that generic thing as, oh, you get a jealous friend and stuff. But I think because we know that there are monsters involved and like like you say, Scooby's a bit different. Um, yeah, you've got the loyalty there, which I love. Um, it goes against the sort of stereotype, I guess, of that dynamic. And the second love interest? Well, it's Velma. Yeah, Velma has she one. really had a love interest. What's that guy? Is I don't it... even know his name. Yeah, she's she's got something. It's not as much as the second one, but... Oh, you mean the guy with the Led Zeppelin t-shirt? Beard. So I yeah. don't I don't really see him as, as that, because I thought... Uh, I got a bit confused thinking from, on to the, from the second film where Seth Green is... Or Seth Green's character is the... It's a love interest for Velma in that, but mm-hmm. I, I kind of forgot that I thought he was in the first one. Oh. But, um, <laughs> I don't really see this guy as a, anything in particular, like a strong love connection. <laughs> yeah, he was annoying me. <laughs> I was just like, go away. When she's at the bar trying to figure out puzzles and she's doing a great job, she's like, go away. <laughs> yeah, it's kind, of, it's, it's, it's kind of... Do they kiss at the end as well? I can't remember. I think they just hugged, I think. <laughs> yeah, she says, I'm just steaming up my glasses. I think she says that. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> no. I think it, it kind of, obviously, the way that they've designed this to to be for Velva's character, she wouldn't be rushing into, like, too much of a relationship because, obviously, she's quite shy. She's not really used to, kind of, that sort of relationship hmm. that she's been in. I know I remember you saying, as we were watching the film, how he noticed that the character of Elmer was like quite like naturally pretty. Yeah, she is. Oh, I mean Linda Cardellini now. Like, I don't know if you've seen a picture of her recently. Like she's so stunning. Like she's in one of my favourite shows called Dead to Me. Uh, it's on Netflix. I would highly recommend it. But she's so good, and she's like forty-five, fifty. I'm like, she looks amazing. She is. I think she's prettier than Daphne. To be fair. No, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So, which one would you prefer, Velma or Daphne? Well, in the iteration of the first film, there would go of, of the film, there would go Velma. 
What's he seen in the second film? You'd go Daphne. No, 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 no that's not what I'm saying. I mean, it's like obviously how the characters of the people who are portraying those characters, I would still choose Velma over Daphne. I mean, not like the fact of uh, the in the second one is the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just digging yourself a, ho- a hole there. Paul. Okay, okay, yeah, I get there it. You go with me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But from the cartoons, there's there's never really been a strong love connection between Daphne and Fred. Hmm. But I feel like they they kind of try and push that further with with this film. Mm. I don't know if it's for the, like the fans or whatever. Like you know. It's, it's it's the dreams are coming true. It's coming true for that. So. Yeah, I think because they're like the two. I guess I don't know, this is getting weird now. But in the cartoon, I guess they are the two good, stereotypically good-looking ones. So it's like, oh, let's put the two like popular, two leader characters together, and they're like, oh, let's get Sarah Michelle Gellar, and Freddie Prince Jr. Who I think they got married in two thousand and two, so they were together. So like, oh, let they're like, let's get them together and play them as the leads. So I was like, feels a little bit done for the film's sake because they've cast them i'm not sure but um i don't know if it was needed to have them get together i'm not sure i feel like that's just like a 2000 thing i think it's one of those things where obviously the the popular kids got together there were the good looking ones and there wasn't really anyone absolutely ugly in this film you know (laughs) yeah it's just what it was it was like everyone has to be pretty and and good looking and they always had to have a nice outcome it's just there wasn't really much diversity within it. No. They're all good looking. <laughs> <laughs> One thing, um, obviously as a child I was like, found it hilarious, I think, but to, to be fair, because of the, you know, there's the... Don't say the farts. The fart jokes. I knew it. <laughs> that are in it, but one thing did actually like get me quite a bit was the the fact of when they're, they're in the... Um, in the the castle, the amusement ride, and they do the classic, you know, hiding in the suit of armor and everything like that, you know, to avoid the <laughs> the villains and all that stuff. <laughs> and there's this one of, the, uh, and then Shaggy's in there and he, mm-hmm. and he farts, and then there's this like, this reverb <laughs> of the fart and that metallic sound that's coming through. <laughs> and it really got me, actually. Like. <laughs> silly that was it is good the sound same with the bit before where shaggy and scooby i don't know why i'm laughing so much i'm farting having a fart (laughs) off before daphne walks in and it's the one where he turns (laughs) and it goes like high pitch it it did make me laugh when i watched it again (laughs) oh god i'm such a child (laughs) but i imagine it's seeing that six or seven that would have been so funny so so funny yeah especially for for a boy i can i can see where the humor lies oh, the early 2000s it was such a time with the toilet humor what would you make of those i, I don't even know what you'd really call them really but like the bunny demon things <laughs> i don't know i think they're quite comical i like the kind of these sort of um I don't know what the word is, sort of like the villain's right-hand man. They're, like, bumping into each other. <laughs> Again, they've got really, like, uh, expressive faces, but like Scooby-Doo. The CGI on them, I think, is worse than Scooby-Doo when mm-hmm. I was looking at some of the stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. But they're, like, yeah. stretching their faces, trying to pull the mask off, and I was like, oh. Yeah, it did look a bit, yeah. They've got personality, so I like that. 
you said they kind of remind you a little bit of the the monsters and space jam didn't you? yeah yeah so i think it's the lankiness of them as as well as the the color yeah hmm. so for example i think back in like the 2000s or like no, ni- early 90s, 90s yeah any villain was kind of colored in those pastel like greens or pinks or purples so like even like if you think of like hercules for example yeah, the minions, yeah, yeah. the demons yeah, yeah within there mm. they're the same kind of colorization mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah that is true so i feel like they've utilized it all on scooby instead of the demon bunnies i think to be fair if i was when i was little if i'd have seen this i'd have been frightened of those yeah <laughs> so coming towards more of the end i feel like daphne kind of does a bit of a 360 within this so initially she's a damsel in distress and you know oh woe is me somebody has to save me and then at the back end she actually saves the day so it's thanks to daphne being on the roof doing her karate or black belt stuff whatever you want to call it and fighting off this big hulk of a man bringing down the disco ball and opening the light up so that it kind of kills all the demon bunnies and everything like that so i feel like she actually is the savior of, of this hmm. to be fair i don't actually really know what fred brings or, or does no, it's, he doesn't do a right lot really to be fair i think he's yeah he's, he's almost kind of <laughs> he's probably the character that at least progresses i would say out of everyone he's not really that integral to the story if you look at it that way no yeah. exactly i feel like he just comes in and just steals the a bit of eye candy i don't know well, no, I think it's more the, oh, look what we did as a team. Yeah. It, gives, it gives, like, Velma, like, the end of it. It's just, oh, he's like, oh, you'd speak to the press. Like, that's the only thing I swear that he changes about himself. That's it. Yeah, so that's pretty much only the growth he actually does have. Whereas the two girls, you do see them both kind of learning and developing. Obviously, Velma is trying to be a little bit more mm. with her social skills and such, mm. as well as being a bookworm. And obviously, Daphne, with the dance and the dress versus being... Badass at the end. They are, they are good people. Even if they don't think like you know they're that important, but they are. And I love that. Like it's the whole team dynamic is great, and especially the two women have this like development, which is really good. Like that was pretty. I think it was pretty groundbreaking for two thousand and two. You know, you could probably do something a little bit better maybe in this day and age. But um, yeah, I thought seeing that as a kid, that was really inspiring. Um, to see these two actresses sort of just badass really i loved it so is there any other points you want to bring up before we go into the scoring i think just the fact that i love it <laughs> i just i just i love this film i've probably watched it i'm gonna say 40 to 50 times maybe more wow it's just like a real good comfort watch for me and i know as i've got older yes you can pick apart its flaws but i think there's something in it that it's so quick. It's like, what is it? Like an hour and 20 something. Like it's really quick. Everyone can find it funny. Kids now they'd laugh. Adults laugh. Great music, great casting. Like there's so many good aspects that I look at a film because that's why I'm such a harsh critic really is because I look at like everything before I sort of rate a film. And I do think it's just, it's, it's so fun. It's comforting because I used to watch it as a kid. I used to have a TV in my room. I used to fall asleep watching films. It'd be like this, Freaky Friday. Like all of those kind of films I just loved. Um, there's just something wholesome about it that I, I think is just amazing. Yeah, that's my uh, TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> and if you were to score it out of 1 to 10, 
one being the lowest, ten being the highest. What would that be? Um, I think of kind of meet in the middle. Let's go with an eight point five out of ten because I think it's just like I say, it's got everything. I do acknowledge that it's not perfect looking at it now. Watching the second one as well, I can see why maybe you'd want to see a bit more of the traditional episodes, you know, having those kind of monster of the weeks dynamics, which I can kind of miss with this one. It takes you away from that. But because I saw it at the right time, it was my kind of music, everything. It, it was just perfect film for me to see. And yeah, it's I just I just love it so much. So yeah, 8.5, I think is a fair score. Um, I'm thinking like what to what score it really, but there is as I guess a level of nostalgia for it, but it's not quite as strong as say something like Pokemon or <laughs> Space Jam. For me, there's I guess <laughs> more my Scooby Doo's. <laughs> right. I mean, you could pick apart those films. But I kind of grew up with them, and there was a, a, a bit of a comfort film to get some level of enjoyment out of them every, to this day. So it works. But there was a level of enjoyment from this. Some of the childish humour is still in there. <laughs> Fart jokes. Of course. But still a couple of laughs here now and again. But I think I'm going to give it 6.5. Whoa. <laughs> that, that seems very low to me <laughs> Ooh, you just ripped Sarah's heart out just think of six year old Sarah's heart being torn apart cruel <laughs> and you said I was a harsh critic <laughs> mm, yeah yeah. I'm, I'm going to lose that title and I'll pass it over to you Paul <laughs> so for me it's it's not something I've, I've grown up with but that doesn't mean it didn't take me down memory lane I really enjoyed the whole film the music was amazing in this and obviously it had that early 2000 vibe <laughs> it makes you feel nostalgic even if you haven't grown up with watching scooby-doo yeah it's just one of those overall comfort films it makes you, it gives you joy it brings you happiness and it just is one of those things where it's not too over complex but you can just put it on and and make you feel <laughs> happy and good i think as well because of it being in the 2000s I'm a bit biased in the fact that it brings you back to that early stages of when you were young and you were a child and life was just easy and simple. And yet again, like I said about the music, it makes you feel like you're at a school disco <laughs> with like the bump in the night and that's like a Halloween soundtrack, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So for me, I think I agree with both of you, what you've said. So I'm going to go in the middle between you and Sarah mm. and I'm going to go 7.5. I think that's really good for a first time watch. I'm like, that's really solid. So you would watch it again then? Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's one of those comfort films. So like if you felt sorry for yourself yes, and you needed a little it. bit of comfort, then you'd just put this one on and you'd feel Easy good. Easy going. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. This and School of Rock and I'm happy, honestly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that that is a really good film. It just it just cheers you up, doesn't it? It just makes you feel mm -hmm. a bit better. Yeah. The other thing is, like, and I'm sorry, you, just, you got the DVD, but... I'm surprised this doesn't have like a Blu-ray release or like a more easily available one at the very least. Yeah. Because, you know, being sort of like a, a semi-cult classic that, you know, like people will be crying out for it to have a more of a, or easier access to it on streaming services and stuff. But it just seems like one of those anomalies like 
why it isn't. Yeah, I mean, they missed like the 20th anniversary. They could have done it for that, for like 2022 or something. I think it's in like a DVD box set. I think I was looking on HMV. They've got it in like a little uh, mystery ink van. Uh, okay. I think that's still the DVD. So I don't know if it's Blu-ray, but they've got a lot of the movies in like a really cool little van. So I was looking at it, I was like, hmm, maybe I could get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we can touch upon the second film, Monsters Unleashed, if you want, before we go, Sarah. Yeah. Because I, mean, I thought, well, as we had it on Now TV, we thought, oh, let's check it out as an opportunity to, to see what I remember. Because for me personally, I didn't remember a great deal about it. It was almost like seeing it from... For the first time again in, in some aspects, really. Um, I guess it's <laughs> left, left such an impact on me, whereas the other one, I, even though if I hadn't seen that as much, I'd, I'd remember more of that than this this one. But what's, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think, again, I may have seen the cinema because I, I loved the first one, and, yeah, I would have been nine so yeah again still a great audience but um even though it's much more like the episodes of the tv show I, it just didn't work for me it's like it's the same director james gunn's writing again but there's just something that doesn't click in the same way i don't know what it is like it should work it should work because like everyone was like oh yeah let's adapt tv shows into films let's adapt video games into films but i think because it's so like for like with the monsters maybe it feels too familiar whereas the first was like let's take what you think you know and do something totally different i didn't know all the monsters names like when you see all the costumes hanging up in this sort of the collection but i knew there would be references to the tv villains which i thought if you're a fan you're gonna absolutely love that and seeing those names yeah i feel like it was too many monsters <laughs> even you said so that the everything felt a bit more cheap really with uh, the, the costumes and mm. all the even maybe even the effects a little bit were just yeah yeah i feel like they tried to put too much into it and actually just came out with a worse outcome yeah i just i don't think i liked it as much and i can't really put my finger on it even watching it again i think it's too polished in some way um it's very much like a set it feels like a set whereas the first one they, they went to australia i think and filmed it on the island a lot of it but this one just feels too clean they get a they, we get to see the machine machine mystery machine but it's like a pimped out <laughs> like you know like pimp my ride mtv thing with its alloys and i was like oh i'm not sure about that but it was good to see that so this one really relies on the nostalgia i think people probably would have said we wanted to see Monsters of the Week. We wanted to see the mystery uh, machines. So they listened to that, but I think they lacked something in the writing, maybe in the, the story. It felt a little bit simple, in my opinion. So I also feel like for, for this one, it's Scooby and Shaggy feel like they're, they're not good enough, that they need to be like the others and be proper detectives. And I think this is where it lacks a little bit of the humour because they're trying to be a bit more serious. And what we love about Scooby and Shaggy is is their humour, is the fact that they mess up the mission and that, you know, they're a bit kooky, whereas because of that, it's taking away what we actually love about them. Yeah, the, the comedy doesn't quite land with the, what they're trying to pull off here and it doesn't really work. Yeah, there's something about it. 
it was I think I don't know if the CGI does it get better or worse I think it does get a little bit better all around because obviously the, a lot of the monsters are like some practical or then they've like added ghosts like mist or whatever or the tar monster I think that's where a lot of the budget's gone like so let's build a set that's cheaper than flying out everyone to Australia and then let's put some money on some of the CGI which yeah it looked okay some of it but yeah again when the tar monster was like holding everyone and it was going over that and like when Shaggy's got a female body like what that was bizarre. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it, it definitely looked like it was his face was superimposed oh. on someone else's body, and it looked very yeah off kilter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the head wasn't tracking with the body. Oh god, it's like a what's it called? Sleep paralysis demon. I can see Shaggy under my bed. Just oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Also for Velma and. Um... She has to dress up in that Britney Spears mm. outfit, <laughs> and I feel like it's just not really for her. God, no. <laughs> even at the time, I think I thought I was like, "What? What is she doing that for?" And I can imagine like all the the dads probably in the audience like, "Oh yeah, this yep, is great." I'm maybe. like, "What? It's so unlike Velma." <laughs> like you know, even as a kid, like, that's not her character. And Seth Green's character's like, "It's not you. That's not what I like about you." So that's, I mean. If that's a lesson in a weird, perverse way to show it, I guess. I don't know. 2004. I don't know what to expect from 2004. (laughs) And even the villain. It was like, one of the things I did remember is I think it was the reporter was involved in it. And Mm. obviously at the end I was kind of partially right, but then I was was still duped then because there was a mask (laughs) under that mask. So Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The double. <laughs> well, I don't know what that says about remembering the film or I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they do a good job with Seth Green being like the red herring through it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I forgot about, what's her name? Is it Alicia? Is it Silverstone? She was in Clueless. I think that's how it, where I recognised her from. Oh yeah, I'm so glad that you said that now. <laughs> You're thinking like, where's she from? Where's she from? Clueless. thought she looked familiar. Yeah, so again, very like they've got all these big like nineties, early two thousand actors in this film. But yeah, it just there's something about it. Like it, 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 it could work, it should work, but it didn't. I, I've watched it maybe two or three times now, you know, compared to my forty times of the first one. There's, I think, there's too much power from above. Like, oh, you know, the first one did well. Have some more money. Do what you want. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I'd rush back to watching the second one mm. however i'd put the first one on happily and, and really enjoy watching it again yes definitely yeah no, i wouldn't bother with the second one at all <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah i don't know if you want to give this a score or just chalk it up to a yeah <laughs> um well i looked on my score on my letterbox to see what i gave it whenever i rated it um yeah, so I would give Scooby-Doo, what's it called? Monsters Unleashed? Not sure about that title. Um, <laughs> according to my old score, I gave it 5 out of 10, which is 50-50. Is that too generous? Maybe. But I think it's an okay film again. Like, you know, costumes are still great, like we saw from the first film. There's some nostalgia there with the flashbacks and the group dynamic again. I it, yeah, I just think the writing is pretty poor, and yeah, the ideas maybe a little bit small by doing something more familiar, 
So I like the first one more because it takes a risk. So yeah, 50%, 5 out of 10. I don't think I'll be checking this one out again. <laughs> and I'd, I'd much prefer to put on the first one. Absolutely. But, um, in terms of a score, this is going to be lower than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to put it around four. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't know if I'm being too harsh there or especially in retrospect in comparisons <laughs> to what I gave the first film. So yeah, I think I agree with everybody. It's it's one of those films I won't go back to, but somebody out there will enjoy it and gain something from it if they're really big fans of Scooby-Doo. So yeah, I, I agree with Sarah. I'll give it a five. So thank you, Sarah, for taking the time to, to talk about this film with us. Thank you for having me on. I've loved talking about Scooby-Doo, one of the best films ever. Everyone should watch it if they haven't already. There's still know. time. There's still time, yep. It's never too late to watch it, so everyone go and watch it. And for one last time, if you'd like to remind everybody where they can find you on social media. Yeah, so my YouTube is Popcorn Chat. Instagram is Sarah's Popcorn Chat. Twitter is S Popcorn Chat. You'll find me in some capacity if you type in Sarah's Popcorn Chat uh, on the internet. I'll be on a platform. Yeah, so go check out her YouTube channel. And thank you very much once again for joining us. Thank you for having me. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. And a big thank you to our special guest. If you want to check out some of our other episodes, you can do so by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean and wherever else you get your podcasts from and we'd really appreciate you leave us a five-star review on any of those platforms as well. A big thank you to the patrons for supporting the show who are Mark from 100 Things You Learn From Film, Ben from Film Vloggers, Nico from The Good, The Bad, The Weird podcast, Chris Gren who is cgren underscore draw on Instagram, Alex who is Desperately Seeking Username on Instagram. Shani, who is SDOG on Instagram. Danny Jones, or Jonesy, who is at Weight Loss Jonesy on Instagram. Emma, who is M underscore Hayton on Instagram. And, of course, Sophie's mum. And if you would like a shout-out on each of our episodes and the opportunity to vote on what we watch once a month... All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash spfilmviewers to sign up for as little as £1 or $1.50 a month and gets you those little perks and helps grow our little community. And lastly, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Threads and TikTok under the handle sp underscore film viewers. Once again, thank you very much for listening and we will speak to you next time.